This is a show where we discuss minority issues and talk about what we are reading and watching, and ultimately why you should be reading and watching it too. This week we're reviewing Lily Wilkinson's book, Pink, which she published in 2011. Lily Wilkinson is an Australian-based young adult author, and I have to admit that this book is pretty darn clever. All right, so as tradition states, I'm going to read the back so you guys have an idea of what we're looking at, and then we're going to talk a little bit about why I think this is such a good book. So the back says, Ava is tired of her ultra-cool attitude, ultra-radical politics, and ultra-black clothing. She's ready to try something new. She's even ready to be be someone new, someone who fits in, someone with a gorgeous boyfriend, someone who wears pink. But Ava soon finds that changing herself is more complicated than changing her wardrobe. Even getting involved in the school musical raises issues she never imagined. As she faces surprising choices and unforeseen consequences, Ava wonders if she will ever figure out who she really wants to be. So also on the back they have, uh, they always talk about some of the awards the book is one, so Pink received an American Library Association Stonewall Honor Award for exceptional merit relating to the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender experience, and it supports the Common Core standards for teachers who are looking for new material that challenges social norms and that might help students look at the world they live in from a new perspective. So that is roughly what this book is about. And I always usually try to explain why I think this is such a cool book. You know, obviously that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying to highlight material and just even content that is moving the ball forward, is helping to give um, minorities a sense of, you know, minority populations a sense of fitting in, a sense that you are one of many and you are not alone. So here you go. So this book is about a young girl named Ava who suddenly, uh, the reason why we're visiting her on this day uh, is because she's suddenly about to go and attend a new high school. She's going to go to Billy Hughes. And Billy Hughes is a wealthy, preppy, very prestigious, academically driven school. And it's not that Ava isn't going to a good school already. It's just that she wants to go to a school where everyone is not emo or emotional and dedicated strictly to politics and living in this kind of petri dish of... Uh, alternative. Ava doesn't want to be alternative, and what's so interesting is she wants to be what she would consider normal. Uh, ironically, uh, she, in this book, uh, Lily Wilkinson has painted normal as unnormal, and it's really quite an interesting view. It makes you think about the world we live in uh, on its head and flipped, uh, which is really neat. So Ava's about to attend a different school. She's going to go to Billy Hughes and she suddenly, we learn a little bit about her world. We learn that she's going to leave behind this, what we find out to be really attractive and intellectual girlfriend who for all intents and purposes, when we first meet her may seem like the perfect person. However, we learn through Ava that she's not potentially the right person for Ava. And that's ultimately what's important. Uh, and we'll get a little bit into the character of Chloe um, a little bit later on. 
So this book follows Ava as she goes to Billy Hughes and starts to enroll in classes. And very little of the book is actually about Ava's struggle or experience going to class. Uh, she does struggle a little bit in the beginning, but ultimately this book really is about her relationships and her friendships and the connections that she makes with uh, her peers, most first and foremost, her peers. And we get a little glimpse of her connection with her parents and her relationship and the pressure she feels from them. So overall, as she goes to school, she meets this girl on the very first day who ultimately tries to take over and tries to say, we're going to be best friends. And it's really neat how Wilkinson kind of ties this back in later on in the book. We get to know a little bit more about this best friend um, and realize that maybe she's not quite what she seems. So she meets this best friend who wears pink and is very flamboyant and, and very lively and very straight. Uh, and she has this whole world of the plushes, basically. And, and they live in wealthy homes and have lots of money and opportunities at their disposal. And they can really, they're expected to be traditionally normal. And that's their whole world. And so to Ava, that's so enticing because she's never had that before. She's never had uh, polo shirts and khaki pants and dinner parties and, and formal time at the country club. You know, that idea. In her home, she's had her very liberal parents who probably both smoked marijuana in college and who are encouraging their daughter to wear black and dye her hair black and read obscure literature and drink tea and be vegan, you know, that type of thing. So it's really interesting that Ava's running away from that when stereotypically, as we know, so many people are rebelling and that's where they're rebelling to. And I think that also speaks to a little bit about to the times that we're living in where things are trendy and a lot of people suddenly move towards getting a pixie cut or uh, and then start to grow their hair back out in these really big waves depending on cultural trends and and food is definitely a, a big thing you know suddenly seltzer water is everywhere because a few people are drinking it or tito's and soda you know we were just out the other night and somebody said man tito's and soda is so popular well, you can tie that back to an article that someone wrote about it online and realizing that it's low carb and low calorie and all that. So there are definite trends that we follow as a society and a culture. And I wouldn't hesitate to say that, you know, being anti-counterculture uh, in this way as Ava's trying to be is really uh, quite timely, in my opinion. So Ava goes, she meets this girl. She's kind of shown this new world. Ultimately, she falls in love, hypothetically, with this boy. And they've never really even spoken before. And so for her to fall in love with this young man who, she, you know, Ava thinks is so you know, swoony and, and so handsome and strong. Uh, it's just interesting because his character is the opposite of Chloe, who she's currently dating. And it seems like Ava's just flying from one thing to the next, trying to figure out what she wants. And it's very clear with the introduction of this character and her pursuit of this character. And then we also have the Screws, which are the backstage crew folks uh, for the musical that Ava auditions for. And we really get to know all of them, but mostly the main character there is Sam. And Sam is uh, really actually counterculture to this lifestyle. He's He doesn't fit in in the uber classy. He, the author makes great points of, of Sam being 
in his room at home in this mansion and ultimately he's he's sitting in his room and it's so clear that he is not at home he is not where he wants to be he's not comfortable and we see Ava kind of watching him in his discomfort and kind of having a human moment realizing that maybe what she has is maybe she doesn't feel at home either but ultimately she does have a right to an opinion and maybe you know at her in her home with her parents and her parents are pretty accepting whereas sam's parents i think are emotionally distant so he provides this really interesting counterculture to the counterculture that she is providing um throughout her story so i hope you could follow that a little bit uh, and we'll get into that a little bit more as we go so i would say that this story really resonated with me all right so that's the plot summary so the, to finish up the plot summary really quick we meet sam ultimately ava decides to participate in this musical which we've alluded to in the back of the book and she auditions for this musical but things don't really go how she imagines and she really spends the whole book trying to figure out who she wants to be what she likes what she doesn't like and in the end readers figure out you know did she find what she was looking for and that's kind of the ultimate ultimate answer uh, and climax and we see Ava interacting with all of these different types of people and personalities trying to figure out what she really wants and I'd say that the end is not necessarily the biggest payoff in the world but you don't always have to have a huge payoff uh, and so it I'd be interested to see what other people think of the end uh, in relation to how much of a roller coaster ride the entire book is in terms of relationships I'd be curious to see what people think about the end so to proceed uh, I think that some of the biggest themes in this book would have to be at least the ones that I really connected to is the idea of challenge we all sometimes face a challenge to be ourselves and maybe this is way too much about me and reflective of me but I can relate to Ava's character and I think a lot of young people can because she is so uncomfortable in the world she lives in and you don't necessarily see it on the surface but that's kind of what's so great is because for years and years and years we present ourselves in such a way that everyone thinks we're normal and they don't think that you know anything's wrong with us and and we don't show how much we struggle and for example when I was younger this is no surprise and I'm sure so many people can relate to this I would never wear my hair down and I, I think of the last time I wore my hair down was when I was six. There are some pictures of, of when I was six and I had my hair down and uh, all the time. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I turned seven and eight, all of a sudden my hair is up all the time in a ponytail. Uh, and I was, I remember being so afraid. If there was one thing I was afraid of that kind of was a defining memory for me, it was the idea of having my hair down and everybody watching or noticing or commenting. Now that I'm older, I understand that a lot of that fear probably was built out of the fact that I wasn't really comfortable with having my hair down and I didn't know if it looked good or not. And I didn't know what to do with it or how to touch it and, and where it should be going at all times. And I think that if I had had, you know, this is nothing on my mother uh, at all, but if I'd had a little bit more understanding of how to have my hair down uh, then it you know and how I was supposed to be then maybe it would have maybe it would have made a difference but that's not anything on my mother because I was so afraid <laughs> that I I refused 
uh, and I made it impossible. So I apologize to my mother. I apologize to everyone who had to see me throughout the first 17 years of my life, really, or the first, you know, that decade in there when I only wore my hair up. Uh, but I think that's representative of so many things that people hide. Um, we spend our whole lives trying to avoid attention about certain things. Some people have issues with their feet. They don't want anybody paying attention to their feet or some people, their hands, their nails, really, those are physical things, but there are a lot of people who are hiding emotional or mental issues that they really don't want people to pay attention to. So they ultimately have a cover up to it. And I think that Ava's character is so much focused on hiding parts of herself and trying to figure out in that same process she's hiding certain things but also trying to figure out who she is so it's this constant battle of if you know if you wanted a physical manifestation for it i pictured a lot to like the process of when we're trying to buy someone a gift and wrap it and they won't leave the room or they keep coming and going so you pull out this you know this this gift and you're trying to wrap it and all of a sudden they come back from the bathroom and you have to hide it again well then they go and they get a drink of water so you can pull the gift back out and continue wrapping it frantically uh, putting the tape on it and everything and then they come back again and you have to hide it and the reason i think that's a great metaphor is because when we hide certain things we really don't get a really good glimpse at what we're looking at. Uh, and it's so hard to evaluate things really on a deep emotional level when we constantly have to be keep putting it away uh, and then having to pull it back out and refresh our memories and then put it away and refresh our memories and put it away. It is so hard to, to live that way on a day-to-day -day basis. So, so the idea of trying to figure out who we are while also trying to play this act and put on this persona. And Ava really does that the whole book. Uh, she's trying to figure out who she is. And the whole time she's in engaging the reader saying, I wonder if I like this. I wonder if I like that. Maybe I'm not meant to like this. Oh, maybe I'm not meant to like that. It's really, she engages us a lot in that process, which I, I think is really, you know, really pertinent. So ultimately, uh, young readers need to have the opportunity to sit with Ava for a little while and they might feel a little more normal. So many young people I talk to have no idea who they are, have no idea what they want. And I think if they could just sit with Ava and, and be in her mind and in her thoughts for a little while, they might feel like they are normal because it is so, uh, it's so normal to not know what you want to do with your life or know who you are. And I remember the different moments in my life when it kind of all clicked together and I felt that uh, I had a a solid understanding of who I was meant to be. Ironically, then it all changes every couple of years. Uh, and then I am constantly reevaluating. Um, but as we get older, that's what we do. We have to change and evaluate and change and evaluate. And in, if we're not doing that, then we're not really living in my opinion. So, so I think the opportunity for young people to really spend some time with Ava, see the ways that she changes, see the choices that she makes, and then ultimately having to live with the consequences. Uh, let's see. I think the another theme in this book that's really, really unique, uh, and I want to thank Lily Wilkinson for doing here is this, she's flipped everything on its head. So she's made normal uh, abnormal, uh, and she's made abnormal normal. So she's kind of flipped the minority and the majority. Uh, and I would say that the majority is in our world is uh, white, straight, heterosexual. Uh, you know, not independently wealthy, but uh, middle class, upper middle class individuals. And at least it feels that way 
based on a lot of our day-to-day -day living sometimes. Uh, we always think everybody has more money than I do. Everybody has everything more figured out than I do. Everybody knows uh, what they're doing more than I do. And, you know, that's probably due to some of our social media feeds. And I was actually just talking to someone the other day about how we really have a social media that we use as highlight reels. And, and social media is really given the sense that it's giving us all the sense that we're not enough or we're not doing enough. We don't have enough money. <laughs> so I, you know, I think we have that false sense that, that ultimately everybody's, you know, doing better than we are. <laughs> but I think if you were to say that the majority represented in this book is, uh, is the, you know, upper middle class, uh, white heterosexual, and we call them the majority, suddenly in this book, Wilkinson has made them a minority. She's made them strange, uh, abnormal. Uh, she's made them an anomaly. Uh, and then suddenly we have uh, more of a minority, which would be someone who's incredibly liberal and open-minded about certain feminist issues, uh, wears black all the time, potentially eats vegan. You know, I think she does eat meat, but, but that mentality is suddenly made to uh, be made as the majority. And, and suddenly our main character is running away from that in which, uh, as I said earlier, usually that's what young people are rebelling towards. And so uh, this is very thought provoking just as its own plot point. And it, this automatically makes me as a, as a listener or I'm sorry, as a reader, uh, transition and, and start to reevaluate. Am I really reading this the right way? Am I, am I, how do I connect this to my own life? And, and that's the, the really interesting part is, is we as readers usually take on the role of the character, you know, the main character that we're, we're reading about or, or a minor character sometimes. And if we can't relate to that, to our day-to-day -day life, it's very disorienting. So it makes us think harder about, about what we're reading. And I think that that's a, a really impressive, immersive trick that the author has used here. Uh, when I was younger, uh, you know, the process of, of, I don't know, I guess coming out was maybe different. Uh, people didn't do it. <laughs> At least it didn't feel like it. And, and nobody was out in the community that I lived in. My parents were the only parents that were really divorced in the 90s where I lived. And so we were, you know, strange uh, simply on the the fact that our my parent, you know, my brother and I, our parents were divorced. And, and I know that my mother felt it and I'm pretty sure that my father felt it too. Uh, but but we were different in that way. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of, kind of helps me think about when I was younger, how did you tell people things? Uh, how did we talk about this kind of stuff? I think this book really helps me understand that when I was a, a young person and I was living in this kind of middle-class community uh, in the 1990s and, and realizing that, you know, divorce was on the rise, I think at that point, but not in the community that I lived in. And maybe I was on the brink of uh, the, you know, my parents were on the early trend of, of getting divorced, but for the most part, you know, most people in my community didn't have divorced parents and uh, it wasn't something that we talked about all the time. And that kind of begs the bigger question of what did we talk about or what didn't we talk about? And, and I think that we really did not talk about sexuality. It was never, 
it was never a topic of conversation. You know, people got married in the second grade to their best friends, or they kissed somebody under a play structure, or they held hands on the swings and stuff like that. But there was, you know, in elementary school, there was no conversation about uh, sexuality or gender. Uh, in middle school, again, no conversation. I don't remember anybody being uh, gay or uh or any conversation of, of there being an all option for something else. Uh, and I remember, I remember realizing that I had different instincts from my peers and wondering why I was so strange and why I didn't fit in necessarily. And I did fine, but it was, it was harder for me. And, and I was somebody who'd always uh, kind of fit in and I'd always understood academically what I was supposed to do and I was always a very good student so the social component for me was always so hard because I didn't have the correct instincts and I was constantly trying to learn how to behave uh, in a quote-unquote appropriate manner and ultimately kind of putting on a show and pretending uh, obviously I didn't pretend very well but for the most part that's what it kind of felt like and so when you think about the process of how do you share things that are going on in your world? Uh, the process of how we share information and experiences uh, in a community. I think that there's a lot that sometimes people hide. Uh, in, you could probably say that social media at this point is just what we would consider a highlight reel uh, for most of us. We, we only really post the things that we're really proud of or the things that we've done that we want people to like or share or view repeatedly. Uh, we don't really post uh, a lot of our, I'll say, human experience on there uh, that's relatable for other people. And, and I think that that means that we're not having deep conversations about kind of major issues. You know, if something's going on in your family life. I've noticed that people don't really put it on Facebook. They don't want it smeared around. They don't want people just simply liking or not liking. Um, you know, something happened in our lives here in my house a couple of years ago and we didn't put it on Facebook at all. Uh, and I think that it was really telling who our friends, you know, really, really close friends were by who we chose to call and talk to on the phone about uh, some of these issues. And it's not that we were looking for their emotional support. We just simply wanted them to know. Uh, none of this had to be a long drawn out conversation, but ultimately it was a long drawn out conversation because we were engaging in important and talking about some pretty important issues. Uh, and, and then they unfold on each other and more and more. And so I think that social media has kind of gotten us pretty far away from uh, having kind of important conversations about the things that are happening in our lives. And uh, oftentimes I, th I think it, too much attention is put on um, the fact that the only struggles we can have in life are if you get cancer or if you are coming out of the closet. Uh, for years, there was a big issue where uh, a lot of people were unemployed or they couldn't find work. And so there was a lot of stigma around that. And then, you know, people's parents getting divorced and, and ne not necessarily wanting to talk about some of these issues. These are the things that people tried to hide. Uh, and there's so much more to life than just this. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate that people feel that they need to uh, hide uh, some of this and, and that they're not able to, uh, they're not necessarily able to talk about it. And this, you know, relating it back to the book Pink here, uh, this is all about Ava not feeling comfortable talking to people about something really major that she's struggling with. She's trying to figure out who she wants to be in the world. And it's not fair that she is so afraid 
to talk to other people. You know, there's no social media mention, which I think is important not to mention that. Uh, and, and there's no real other friend component. She doesn't really have other friends. And so when she connects with the stage crew, that's the first time when she really has peers who she can just talk to. They don't want anything from her and she doesn't want anything from them. And so she finally has some people to talk to, but she doesn't, she still does not necessarily uh, explain who she is and where she's coming from. And I think that that is, I think that's a shame. I think that, uh, you know, Ava represents a societal problem that we have where we need to be able to share more about ourselves uh, and not in this public forum. I think we need to get back to basics and, and start to talk to each other on a more one-on-one -on -one basis and connect offline. Uh, and, and maybe we might have a little bit more luck trying to figure out who we are and what we want from life. So I think that, uh, I think that's an important theme that this book really brings out. And, and it's ultimately, uh, brought out with the topic of, you know, coming out as straight. Uh, so it really makes us think and analyze, uh, sexuality on a different level. Some of the most important relationships in this book are, as I've already mentioned, Chloe, the girlfriend. She's got this girl she's best friends with at school. There's a boy who she's kind of got this fantasy about. And then ultimately the screws who are the backstage crew. And you also have her parents in there, but I'm not necessarily going to mention her parents in this little section. Uh, but I do think that the parents are relatively important. Uh, and maybe I'll mention them in just a few minutes. So if we look at Chloe, who's uh, Ava's girlfriend, I would say that in the beginning, we see her as being extreme and ultra liberal. She is off the charts, <laughs> as some would say. She's got all black. She's uh, a quiet person. Uh, Ava describes her as being incredibly beautiful and kind of a, a catch and a, re a real catch. And Ava almost, you know, explains that she feels lucky to be with Chloe and she feels lucky that Chloe chose her, um, which is, is interesting because that's how teenagers think. Uh, that's really putting us in their minds. And and we see as readers that they have no chemistry. Uh, Chloe really is a fantasy for, for Ava. And it's not really Ava's fantasy. It's, you know, she's a fantasy in the sense that Chloe is uh, kind of an unemotional un uh, person who's beautiful. And there's really no topic of conversation. There's no connection there. And not at least on an, a mental and emotional level. Uh, and so we watch... Ava living in this fantasy she has for this girl and this crush she has on her, but we don't really as readers know why she has this crush. We cannot connect. Uh, then when uh, Ava goes to Billy Hughes, she finds this new girl who ultimately becomes her BFF. There's a fantasy level of this character too. They have really no emotional or mental connection except for talking about drama, talking about boys and clothes and, and girly things. There's really no connection. Ava has built up this fantasy of ultimately wanting to be quote unquote normal, but she doesn't really know what normal looks like or feels like. And I think that uh, this girl really represents yet another fantasy. And she's another extreme. She's in the opposite direction as Chloe. I would also say that this boy that she kind of develops a crush on is also in an extreme opposite of Chloe. Uh, Ava ultimately realizes that this is not what she wants. Sorry for the spoiler there. But she realizes that just because these people are in the ultra opposite direction doesn't mean that she's 
inherently interested in them or has an inherent connection. She's not emotionally or mentally stimulated by either this new BFF or this boy who's a fantasy. And that's where we fall in line and, and fall into with the screws here. The screws kind of represent reality. They are emotional and mentally stimulating folks. Uh, they're also physically different because uh, they hang out in, in ways that maybe n none of the other characters do. They enjoy each other's company. They really do nothing uh, together. But at the same time, you know, they could be sitting around and also having an incredibly emotional uh, and very mentally taxing conversation about something, you know, in history or science uh, or psychology and, and philosophy. Uh, and and so we, we see how normal they are and how much they care about each other. And this is really the first time when Ava has the chance to be herself in and actually engage in a dialogue. Uh, she doesn't connect with them right away. She combats them. You know, when she's with Chloe, she says what Chloe wants to hear. When she's with her new BFF and this new boy, she says what they want to hear. She plays along with them. But for the first time with the screws, when she's with them, she wants to be counter. She uh, fights them on different things and, and engages in the conversation and is trying to you know, challenge them and, and they challenge her back. And, and I think that's so interesting because what we don't know is what we don't realize about ourselves is that we ultimately want to be challenged. We don't want to be with somebody who is exactly like us or who thinks exactly like we do. And many young teenagers don't realize that that's what they're looking for in, in real life. They don't want perfection. They want somebody who's going to push them to be better. And that is actually how I would define my current relationship is that we constantly push one another in different directions. And sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but ultimately, we refuse to let one another stand still and be stagnant. Uh, and we're constantly trying to find uh, and to, to improve who we are. So I think that uh, all of these relationships that I just mentioned uh, kind of lead to the point of how do we find an ultimate connection with, you know, other characters or one specific character. And you could wrap it up in a neat little bow and say, how do we find who we're supposed to be with? But I don't actually think that's true. I think in Ava's case, she's going to find many people to be with. But ultimately, she's trying to figure out who she wants to be and uh, and who she is. And she finds herself through this group of, of friends. And I think that being a part of a group like the stage crew and all of them working towards a specific goal, it, it gives them a focus. Um, ultimate, you know, they, they feed into this activity. They give themselves to it. Uh, they connect about the story uh, and they they feel a connection to one another because they are both, you know, they're all living this shared experience. And then the real question is, is when you come out of this experience, what do you still have in common? Do you still want to spend time together? And, uh, and that's, that's really the test. <laughs> so every time I participated in either, you know, filming a movie or working on a big project or doing stage crew, there's always a bond there. Uh, we've always gone through something together and we have this mentality that we survived. And ultimately, again, we are telling one unified story. And, and there's a connection that, you know, our characters that we're either playing or, or the work that we're doing, we, we feel connected to one another uh, in person, but also in this, you know, ult ultimate universe, alternate universe, rather. Uh, and we are trying to, you know, we're trying to connect on both fronts. Again, 
This book is really important. I think that it provides a unique spin on the process of coming out or sharing any type of information with your peer group, your family, uh, a girlfriend or boyfriend, or even uh, anyone who's important to you. Again, it's really ironic that this story is about somebody coming out as being straight. I think that this points fun at the process of what it is to to be homosexual or gay or lesbian, transgender, bi. I think that it really pokes fun at the process that we shouldn't have to come out. Uh, and again, I understand why it's so important in our society, but I think that it is a, a unique twist. Uh, to make us really evaluate, you know, how we come out and the process. Ava's whole character is is focused on figuring out who she wants to be in life, what she wants to, to do with her time, the people she wants to spend her time with. And I think that it's, uh, there's a quote by John F. Kennedy where he said, change is the law of life and those who look only to the past or the present are certain to miss the future. The idea here is, is that Ava's looking for a label. She really wants to put a neat little label on herself or on other people that she meets. And we see her putting those labels on. But the reality is, is that we all grow. We all change. And as humans, we're constantly evolving. Physically and, and scientifically, we are evolving. Uh, and also emotionally and mentally as well. And we can't stay the same and also continue living our lives. So sometimes labels make us feel safe. Uh, when we're trying to explore new opportunities and new experiences. But at the same time, it's dangerous to to label yourself. And, and I think personally, you know, we're afraid to come out and say, you know, this is my label and this is what I stand for. When at the same time, five years from then or 10 years from then, things might change. Not to say that you, you are not yourself, but ultimately, we are supposed to change. Um, there's another quote that says there is nothing permanent except for change. Now, we are supposed to change. And, and it's not necessarily that we, we can't put labels on things, but they shouldn't necessarily be permanent. And we should not be trying to, to fit only into one specific category as Ava tries to do for so much of the book. And I think the way that the book ends, you know, big spoiler alert here, so much of the book ends with Ava still uncertain. She still isn't clear on what label she wants to fit into or, or put on herself. And I think that's important because uh, most of us do not have permanent labels. We are constantly moving around and adjusting. And I think a lot of people define themselves as a mother, a daughter, a grandmother, things like that. But not necessarily, you know, the other labels and the other things and the ways we define ourselves change. And, uh, and I think it's important that Ava continue to change. And I'm really grateful that Lily Wilkinson ended this book the way that she did. So I think this is a phenomenal read. Uh, teachers should definitely consider including this in, in Common Core uh, and using it for their uh, ELA classes. I think that it provides young people an opportunity that a pretty fun glimpse into how, you know, obscure uh, teenage culture really is. It's it's a real glimpse into the day-to-day -day lives, I think, of, of real-life teenagers. And then it gives an opportunity to see what's different uh, and, and why uh, it makes us think a little bit harder about what we do and the choices that we make every day and, and why we feel this need to have these labels. So I think students might be able to relate to Ava, but also every other character in this book, honestly. Thank you so much for listening today, and I also want to thank Ben Sounds for his amazing intro and outro song. 
And if you have questions about any of the content we reviewed, or if you have any recommendations on what we should be watching or reading, please reach out to us at our production company, greatnorthernfilm.com. 